This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. So there's a million and one reasons to be financially independent, regardless of whether you like your job or not. If you're using your job as an excuse not to pay attention to your money, just remember, it's an excuse. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about finding the right savings rate for your family. Now, this one hits home a little bit because Nicole and I have had a lot of conversations about how much is too much to save and how little is too little to save. I've invited Scott Rickens on the show today because he's been on a very similar path with his wife, Taylor, a very similar public path, a very similar big screen public path. Scott is a two-time Emmy-nominated filmmaker, executive producer, and co-star of a new documentary called Playing With Fire. This is a documentary that uncovers the growing community of frugalists, mustachians, and valuists choosing a path to financial independence and early retirement. Scott's story and advice has been featured in Market Watch, Forbes, The New York Times, and many other major national publications. He's also a proud father to a little girl named Jovi. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks, Andy. Nice to have you here. That's great. It's great to have you here, man. We are physically in person, everybody, and I don't often do the show in person, so um, <laughs> this is great. I spent the past two days with Scott here in Metro Detroit. We got to view this awesome documentary, Playing With Fire, and I'm really excited to talk to you about it today. So you've, you've completed this documentary. You've also done a book on this whole subject as well, and you're sharing it with the world. As you've, I don't know, taken in all this information, what does financial independence mean to you now? Yeah, it's definitely taken on some new meanings. Um, in the beginning, it was sort of like a you know a liberation. It was like a chance at freedom that I, I didn't know was going to be possible. You know, we were both both my wife and I were probably ten years into this you know sort of career journey, and it was you know I think ten years in we were just like, man, this is tiring, <laughs> and there's really no end in sight. Um, and uh, and now you know now that our we have. We have a, a much higher savings rate, and we know we, we have a much a clearer idea of our goals, and we have uh, a much shorter horizon on that that freedom. Um, it's given us a chance to kind of think bigger, and that's kind of why the output of content, the output of a book and a movie, and all this that we're working on uh, was so compelling and, and felt so necessary because this was something that had to be shared. And I felt like I had a few tricks up my sleeve with the mediums that I'd been dabbling in my professional career to add to the conversation. These days, financial independence to me isn't talked about enough that needs to be shared with more people. And I think it's ultimately uh, something that could potentially facilitate you know, a, a significant societal shift in how we spend our time. I love it. I love those big words. That's awesome, Ben. So <laughs> not only was it a an opportunity for you guys to make some moves yourselves financially, but you feel that this is a, an important mission for our country. 
Yeah, for the world. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's not like I have a lot of empathy for for people who are in tough financial situations, and in a lot of ways, it's really it's really not their fault. Um, you know, on one hand, you have a, a, a huge amount of the population that doesn't have financial mentorship because this stuff really isn't taught in school. This is not a part of our education, and that is bananas to me. I mean, you do see it happen in, in certain states. I guess it's mandatory now, thank goodness. But how is that not mandatory on a federal level, like all across the nation? And how is that not a prerequisite if you're going to college? I don't understand because education is supposed to be setting you up for the world. And what's more important than being you know, careful with your finances and knowing how money works? So yeah, I mean, it's something that that the world needs. Absolutely. I love it, man. I love it. So you talked about savings rate, something that you guys have worked on. So talk about why the savings rate is so important when we're talking about financial independence. Yeah, I mean, the savings rate is important because it's sort of this like double power, superpower. It's a double superpower. It's like, on one hand, if you're able to increase your savings rate, if you're able to save more and more and more money, that means you have more money to invest in your future. That means you have more money to to do things, you know, with that that you might need to do things with, like uh, put your kids through kids through college or or whatever it might be. Take care of uh, some loved ones or take care of yourself. The other side of it is, if you are saving more money, that means you need less to live on, and living on less is like kind of a tried and true positive thing. You know, it might be difficult at first. Um, and that's actually, that gets back to what I was, uh, going to say earlier that I completely forgot to say earlier, <laughs> which was that with that whole empathy piece, it's like, we are being bombarded with advertising on a daily basis, um, that is so entrenched in our society and in our everyday vernacular, even that it's sometimes it's hard to pick up on. You don't even realize it's having an effect on you. So we're constantly being told we need the new thing, the next best thing. Your life isn't complete without X. So I think the savings rate actually sort of, it encompasses a lot of different psychological shifts because to get to that point to a, like, a, let's say a 50% savings rate, which is what, what I think the fire movement sort of um, uh, has become famous for, let's say, or has, it's sort of a thing that you can sort of rally around is like these high savings rates is kind of what makes up the fire movement amongst a few other obvious differentiators. But that high savings rate, it can teach you, you know, many, many positive things. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So talk about the moment that you first discovered fire and, uh, or just the general concept of financial independence. When did that happen for you? Yeah. So I knew we needed a change, Taylor and I, and I, I just, I wasn't exactly sure what it was. Um, but she was, we had just had our, our, our little girl and she was really dreading going back to work. And up until that point, living in San Diego, we were able to live in San Diego because we had two incomes. And when she's suddenly floating this idea of not going back to work and Taylor has enjoyed her work up to that point, that pretty, pretty much freaked me out. Um, and not to mention, I felt like, oh my gosh, I, I, as a husband, I should be able to facilitate this for her. We have friends who you know, have uh, moms who stay at home and take care of the kids. And um, all of a sudden, Taylor's kind of contemplating that. And we know that that's a full-time job in and of itself. Uh, shout out to all the working moms out there. or the Well, the working moms and the full-time moms. Um, it's a heck of a job, especially in those early days before you get a little break with school and whatnot. That was a real game changer, and I freaked out completely. And for me, it was like the entrepreneurial brain kicked in. It's like, 
okay, what's my next million dollar idea? How do I increase my income? How do I double it? That seems very, very daunting. It stressed me out like crazy, but I went to podcasts because I was, we were walking Jovi to have her go to sleep (laughs) for hours. So I had a lot of time to walk. And so podcasts were my savior because I could, I could keep my brain activated. I could learn. It was a nice, uh, it was actually kind of nice, you know, walking and learning. Um, but at the same time I was stressing myself out trying to figure out how do I double my income? How do I figure this out? And, um, and so I was, I was, you know, listening to sort of like the usual suspects and one of them was Tim Ferriss, uh, who's interviewing sort of the, the world's greatest thinkers and innovators and whatnot. Love that podcast. And I've been listening to it for quite a while, to be honest. And so one morning I'm driving to work and, uh, the next episode that teed up was how to live on $27,000 and be happy or something like that. And it's with Mr. Money Mustache. And I'm like, well, that's a silly name. And I wonder what I'm getting into here. And I remember Tim introducing him as like one of the top five most requested guests. And that really perked my interest because I was like, how, do, how have I not heard about somebody who would be a top five requested guest from what I assume to be like a similar audience to me? You know, like, how is this not across my desk? And, um, and within about 15 minutes, like the, the stuff they were talking about was so intriguing. I, I figured out an excuse, called into work, pulled over to the side of the road and listened to the whole episode. It was just speaking to me. And, and I think what it was, I go, I've gone back and listened to that episode and, and knowing what I know now, it's not quite as prolific, but at the time, not knowing anything, mm-hmm. it was, it was life changing. It was your introduction. It was my, it was my introduction. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So when you came out of that and you were, you know, feeling pretty excited about it. And then you brought it up with Taylor. Mm-hmm. What was her reaction? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I didn't bring it up to her right away, but early on I started floating that episode and some of the blog posts that I was reading from Mr. Money Mustache. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, ex- I'd be sitting there waiting to hear like, hey, what about this article you sent me? You know, what? This is amazing. And instead it was like, it wasn't being brought up. And I was like, oh, what's going on? So finally I asked her, you know, like, hey, did you get that article I sent you? Like, what's going on there? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I read it. I'm not sure. What, why'd you send that? You know, kind of like, what, 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 did you send that on accident? Was that meant to go to someone else? I was like, no, this is, a, this, is this thing I found, and I, I really think you should check it out. I think this is, this is really interesting. And it was kind of like, yeah, okay. And then, um, yeah, it was kind of like, I was banging my head against the wall trying to figure out, like, how do I convince Taylor that this is something that we should do? Because by this time, I had gone down the rabbit hole. I had read a ton of Mr. Money Mustache's posts. I'd gotten into the Mad Scientist podcast. I was learning about Vicky Robin. I loved the Choose Five podcast. I was learning about FinCon, Ch- Chautauqua, you know, uh, Camp Mustache, which is now Camp Fi, and like all these other things, or actually that's like a subset and, you know, all this stuff. It's, it's a, oh, oh my gosh, there's a community of people here discussing strategies on how to retire early and live happily. What? <laughs> I didn't even know this existed. And how didn't I know this existed? And why is it hard to share this with my wife? This is weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you're bringing up a, a weird cult to her and saying, hey, honey, check out this cult that I'm interested totally. in. Totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, basically what it was, was the stuff I was teeing up for her was just, it just wasn't really meeting her where she was. Cause she didn't, I don't think she felt the same way I did. She wasn't in her mind. She wasn't worried about being super exhausted at work or feeling like, you know, where we lived wasn't the right place for us. She was pretty set where we were living. Like she was pretty content generally, which is a wonderful trait that she has. I'm kind of the exact opposite. I'm like the forever <laughs> pessimist in my mind, worried about everything. And so, uh, anyway, 
you know, I found this episode on Choose Fi, and it was uh, the Pillars of Fi. And that episode, I sent it to her, and she uh, listened to it on the way back from a long slog drive from L.A., and she, she does not like traffic. She didn't want to go there because she was away from her baby. And she's listening to this. And then it suddenly clicked. Because for her, it was like that long drive and that traffic and not being there with her child. Like Those were the things that mattered the most to her. And those things mattered to me too. But it was, there was a lot of other things that mattered to me. And so it was, it was meeting her where she was. And it just it spoke to her. And she was like, wait a minute. This makes sense. I get this. And so you know that was, a, that was her inflection point. And then from then, from then on, it was like, uh, let's talk about this together. You know, it didn't happen right away. I mean, we started making all these fun plans and I kept using the word adventure to make it fun and easy on oh, her. You're good, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But at the end of the day, like, you know, we were kind of on the same page in, in general, but then I was like, well, we got, we got to get rid of your car. And she was like, nope. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm, I've got some work to do. So, <laughs> so it continued from there. So what was your savings rate <clears throat> at the time when you started these conversations? We talking about savings rate on the show. Like, so what did, what did that mean for you at that time? Were you guys paycheck to paycheck? Were you saving a little bit? How, how did that work? Yeah. So when we, um, when we first found this, we were kind of fluctuating between paycheck to paycheck and let's say under 10% savings rates, you know, it kind of depend on the month, depending on if we went out to eat too much or went on a vacation or whatever, whatever our habit or bad habit was. And, and then by the time we left San Diego um, and sort of embarked on this journey, I think we had, we had gotten it to about an 8% like consistently, like an 8% savings rate. But that, that was really telling because we had cut back on a lot of the little things and got to that point. Um, but what had happened was we realized that it was really kind of a structural issue. Like it was all of these big decisions we had made over the course of the better part of a decade is like where we were living, how many cars we had, our lifestyle, all these things were incorporated. And then obviously we're living in a very high cost living area and we weren't accustomed to, you know, uh, drastic, you know, changes in all of, in everything in our life. I'm a Navy brat, so I've moved a ton of times. And if I know anything about moving is you get a clean slate, you get to start from scratch. You even get to create a new identity if you want, because you're building a new community. And I thought, man, that would be a really good way to to like rip the Band-Aid off here. And so that's what we did, and that's why we did that, because we were kind of stuck on this really expensive island um, with really expensive rents and really expensive cars. And sure, we could have, you know, we could have tackled the car thing. It's definitely possible to live a fire lifestyle in a high-cost living area, but it's not as easy to pull back when you started like, or when you're sitting there at like at the proverbial top. You know, uh, as opposed to let's rip the bandaid off and start fresh. You know, that's a little bit. It was an easier concept for us, and I think that helped a lot. So moving, and we talk about this a lot on the show, is the number one expense in our lives is our housing. So you guys chose to say, hey, a big bulk of our expenses are coming from where we're living, so we're physically going to move. Where, where did you move to? Yeah, and by the way, we tried to move around San Diego. Like we looked in other places in San Diego, but anywhere that was desirable for us with good schools and things like that, it was the same issue all over, you know. Um, and so yeah, so we ended up uh, looking all over the West Coast, and that was fun actually. We got to choose anywhere on the West Coast, you know. For us, uh, our jobs allowed us to do that, and we ended up landing uh, in Bend, Oregon. That's great. Bend, Oregon's a beautiful part of the country, and I mean, you—I think you said it yesterday. You're trading the beaches for the uh, for the mountains, right? That's right. That's right. And that's I was cool. happy to do it. Um, a little quieter, not as many people there. Absolutely. So, yeah. so, and then the next thing that we talk about a lot when we're talking about increasing our savings rate is transportation. So, talk about the car. You talked to her about her car. How did you guys end up with uh, making modifications with your transportation? Yeah. So uh, when we 
when we made the move, we were very intentional about where we lived so that it was designed where we could walk and bike as much as humanly possible. And that allowed us to go down to a one car family and then deciding on which car that would be at first we had. So we started out with uh, two leased vehicles. I had a Mazda three hatchback and Taylor had a BMW three series GT. They were both leased. Uh, the interesting thing about BMW actually is that, uh, you can lease a used vehicle. Hmm. Not many programs are, yeah, there's not many programs out there like that. And they may be the only one, but I wasn't aware of this. <laughs> and Taylor was like, I'm going to go get a BMW. And I was like, that's a terrible idea. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> she was like, well, I'm going to, and there's nothing you can do about it pretty much. And I was like, well, would you please at least keep it to, I think it was like $400 a month. You know, that's, that's, that's reasonable. That's higher than I would like you to spend on this lease. But if you can do that. And then she came back with this big smile on her face a couple days later, and she'd found this lease, and it was like $420 a month for this BMW. And I was like, how did you do that? And darn it, now we have a BMW in the front yard. Ugh. She still misses that car, but we had those two cars. And so for a while, we, we considered keeping the Mazda, getting rid of the BMW. Um, but after running some numbers, it was like, that doesn't even make sense. And we talked to uh, Brandon, the mad scientist, and he pretty much told us the error of our ways on that front. And we ended up, you know, trying to find a car that was around $5,000. And that made a lot of sense to us by the time we finally got to that point, you know, it didn't make it easy. So what's the car today? So it's a 2006 Honda CRV with now 190,000 miles. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, I mean, it, when you talk about the fire community, you're talking about financial independence or, you know, just personal finance in general, 195,000 miles. That's a badge of honor. <laughs> I know. People congratulate me now. It's awesome. <laughs> Nobody ever great. congratulated me for a boring leased BM, or a BMW or a Mazda right. 3 hatchback. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So no, I'm getting pats on the back. Exactly. So... So housing, transportation, let's talk about food because I know you guys made some changes there throughout the whole process. You know, you're, you're, we spend a lot of money going out. We spend a lot of money at the grocery store. We spend a lot of money buying the right healthy foods to, you know, feed our family. Did you guys make any changes in the food department? Oh, yeah, big time. We were like self-prescribed foodies for a while there, you know, and, and, and honestly, I have a lot of empathy for people that live in big cities because these days, I mean, you can find incredible cuisine from all across the world. And that's so enticing. I mean, food is a big part of our lives and it's important. And I still love amazing meals. There's no doubt about it. But we had gotten to the point where, you know, we were doing it out of convenience and ease as well as uh, a perceived enjoyment. But it was getting to the point where we were going out to eat so often um, because we were getting busier. We had, you know, we had a kid, we, you know, our jobs were getting busier. We didn't feel like cooking that night <laughs> that I remember one night we went to our favorite sushi restaurant and, uh, we sat down, we were eating and, uh, we got done. And I remember driving home and being like, I don't think the sushi was as good tonight as it was last week. <laughs> I don't like that person anymore. <laughs> yeah. But if you think about it, like the reason why I felt that way is because it wasn't special anymore. We weren't, we were eating out too often. So I'm sitting there like comparing that meal with a meal that had happened recently and like what kind of a way is it to look at, at it like that like, that's terrible sure when you compare it to other things that you guys have out there for goals right i mean if if eating the best cuisine in the world is your top top priority in life then have at it right, right. but i mean you guys have a family you've got plans you've got jovi totally when you compare the sushi to 529 college savings i yeah. mean like Easy said, decision. Easy decision, right? Yeah, now, sure, yeah. yeah. But we weren't thinking <laughs> about it like that prior. So 
um, you know, that, that's definitely kind of the way we look at it now, but the, you know, those types of, uh, those types of revelations made it a lot easier for us to say, okay, we've got to cut down on this, on this food thing. So how do we do it? So we've implemented a few strategies. One is like, you know, if we're going to go out to eat, we try to keep it to once a month. Um, and then, and that's honestly proven out to be really great because then when we do go out that time, it's so exciting. You know, you're like, yes, we're finally going out to eat and it's awesome. And you choose it very carefully. And maybe you spend a little more than you would if you were going out to eat more often. Um, so you maybe get even more, you know, more fun things. Um, but in, in, in aggregate, you're spending way less. So that's one of the things we do. Um, we try to plan our meals. I do, uh, as much bulk cooking as I can, especially for stuff that's sort of on the go. Cause we are on the go. We're, we're a busy family. We're always running around. It's, it's not always, uh, convenient to prep a whole meal, even though we'd love to. So yeah, I love making like, uh, breakfast burritos and, you know, things like that. Uh, we have little, little meal, um, uh, containers and we'll make, you know, five meals for the week or something like that. Um, sometimes we'll buy in bulk at Costco where they're already pre-made like that, you know? And I, in fact, we even got a second refrigerator off of Craigslist and threw it in the garage because that gives us more space for sort of the, the bulk shopping, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, we looked at that price against the cost savings and it would only take a couple months to justify a fridge in the, in the garage. So, so that made a lot of sense. So just, you know, think being way more intentional as, as opposed to before where uh, we would kind of run out of food in the refrigerator and look and go, well, we should probably go shopping. And by then you're hungry and you should never shop for food when you're hungry. That's like my number one tip. Totally. <laughs> and then you're just buying stuff that looks good. You don't really have a plan. And then some of that stuff goes to waste maybe because you didn't end up using it the way you thought you would or hoped you would, or you didn't have time to cook with it and you're just wasting money. And so and, and we also had the added uh, issue of where we lived. We'd, if we wanted to shop uh, at discounts, we had to drive a significant distance. We're talking like 25 minutes plus just to get to that grocery store as opposed to the grocery store that's right down the street. I mean, where we could walk to it. So we would often choose that because you don't even want to spend your time like at the grocery store. That's one of many chores, right? But we would justify that in our heads as like the added cost is worth it. But man, that stuff adds up so quickly. So when you're more intentional, like food can be a, a significant savings. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. 
Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. So those big three things that we talked about, housing, transportation, food, you made a lot of changes there. And obviously there's lots of other things that you can do, you know, check on your bills, you know, save on, you know, insurance plans, things like that. Um, you know, cut out the coffee, the Netflix, things like that. Those are sometimes as you get clo- lower down the totem pole, maybe it doesn't, you know, make as much impact, but those, those top three, it seems like that's where you guys focused on the documentary. Um, any other areas that were very impactful besides those three major areas? Yeah. I mean, it's funny, like, you know, as, as drastic and I'm doing air quotes right now, <laughs> as drastic as those changes are the big three housing, cars, and food, it's also the low hanging fruit, right? Because you can really see significant savings. And to me, I think that's actually incredibly valuable, especially if you're early on in your journey, because you're getting that instant gratification and you're seeing it work so much faster. And I think that's actually, that can be really, really rewarding emotionally because this isn't easy. Right. But if you see that instant reward, it certainly helps you kind of stay on track and see what you're doing it for and feel like, oh, this is working and it's worthwhile. Mm Um, and then, yeah, and then like you said, you can kind of get into the, the other uh, stuff. But I mean, we looked at everything. Mm-hmm. We didn't just focus on the big three. We looked at every single piece of, of our output. And tracking your spending is so critical. And we found things, you know, there was like a subscription that we'd kind of forgotten about. It's like 14 bucks a month or something. Mm-hmm. Just low enough that it wasn't on the front of mine. It wasn't on the radar. But at the same time, like how tragic that 15 bucks a month was just heading out the door doing nothing doing nothing yep. yeah and so um i i think it was in aggregate you know it's i, I always it's almost like four buckets it's like housing cars food yep. and everything else yeah and so we kind of looked at everything else and said how do we do this and another another uh great hack in my opinion is when we found this so i suddenly had suddenly had a, a, a pretty big urge to sort of um purge a lot and try mm-hmm. to you know get rid of a lot of the stuff the excess and um and so uh I, I spent some time when we were getting ready to move. Um, I spent a, a good two weeks going through all of our stuff, finding out what was valuable to us and what was valuable, looking at it through that lens, sharing those ideas and opinions with Taylor, getting her feedback, and then ultimately creating a pile of stuff we were ready to sell. And these days, it's easier to sell than it's ever been, right? Not only do we have Craigslist, of course, but 
honestly, Facebook Marketplace is crushing it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. You get to kind of vet the person a little bit easier. You know, it's not this like kind of creepy, shady corner. Yeah, it's like the, dark the corner. Uber of uh, Craigslist <laughs> now. You could like check them out before they come. And right, exactly. <laughs> And um, I think they're even adding other features where you can like pay through it and everything. Um, but anyway, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't necessarily. Uh, I liked the cash. That was sure, kind of right. fun, cash right? Is good. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, yeah. So I spent some time getting some like I mean quality shots. That's also a, a tip I have. You know, our phones now. Almost everyone has a phone in their pocket. That's incredible. But just consider lighting. You know, maybe just look up like how to take a good photo on Google. You'll find some good tips and take some good shots of those things you want to sell. I ended up with a couple grand in cash for our move. And that was really, really helpful as well. So that was a that was a great tip. Another tip that we had that we implemented right away, we were getting Amazon boxes constantly. It was like little Christmas presents every couple of days at least. At the time, it was like, well, we need this thing. And it's uh, unbelievable that we live in a day and age where, you know, and especially in San Diego, because they have like distribution centers right there. It was like same day delivery. You'd order it. And like four hours later, some guy's knocking on your door with this thing. It's like, this is incredible (laughs) and also terrible uh, because nobody announced to me that there was like suddenly same day delivery. It just started happening. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, the dopamine is amazing right now. I'm so excited. And um, and that's that's really nefarious of them, you know, Um, but. We implemented this strategy where it was like, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, unless it's an immediate need that you obviously know is an immediate need, if you have any doubt that it isn't, throw it in the cart and leave it in there for three days and come back to it. You know, Stick, stick it on the save it for later even because sometimes you even forget about it and you come back in there later like, why did I even have this in there? And you'll start to see how important those things really are. And that makes it really easy to sort of cut the cord on, on the Amazon purchases. So we kept our prime membership, you know, and I'm, I'm scrutinizing that pretty hard right now, to be honest. I don't, I don't know that we need that, but for a while there, they were really, they were really working it. You know, all of a sudden I had free music, TV, like, um, delivery. It was pretty incredible, but looking at it, it's like, well, yeah. And it's bleeding me dry. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, well, it sounds like you guys made a lot of changes and you know, it probably made a huge impact. So can you share where you guys are with your savings rate today? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Of course. So we're hovering around 50%. Okay. 50% is just like, that's really our sweet spot and it works for us on so many levels. Uh, maintaining a 50% savings rate um, at the rate that we're going right now is going to allow for uh, you know our financial independence journey to to be about the uh, you know about the length that we want yeah. um, I'm, I'm being cagey right now because there's information in the film I don't want to I don't want to give away sure, spoilers sure. Yeah, absolutely yeah um, but we are we are well on our way right now we're very happy about it 50% feels really it feels natural it's kind of like the systems are already implemented yeah. we don't have to try that hard to maintain that. Um, when it fluctuates, it's because, you know, maybe we have gone on like a vacation that we didn't plan as well as we should have, or we have multiple, you know, friends come into town and we're kind of like, all right, well, we'll just kind of, we'll let this one slide, you know, but that starts to feel like it's really interesting these days. Like when that happens, we kind of get a little bit stir crazy. We're like, this doesn't feel good. No, we shouldn't do this anymore. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, that's the, that's the interesting thing. I think this like sort of it's, it's a marathon. It's not, you know, it's not a sprint. Like we sprinted and we got it to that place where 50% was comfortable and that's been wonderful. And we got really smart around our money in a way that we've never, I never knew that I even had the capacity to be. Uh, and so that's, that stuff's been just really enriching for our lives. But 
it's, it's not like we don't have our struggles, you know, and they can be daily, weekly, monthly, whatever they are. We still have to keep an eye on it. You know, it's, it's kind of easy to fall back into that lazy trap. And I think the automated part actually can almost facilitate the, 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 the messiness sometimes. And so I got to tell you, man, like you inspired me early, early on. I've read this article about you and your wife and, uh, who is an amazing interior decorator, by she the way. Sure is. She you. really is. This house is beautiful. <laughs> Um, but you know, I remember that article and you were talking about, uh, that you, you would throw a budget party, you know, and that just stuck with me cause we had been struggling with that part of it. Like I had gone through all this with Tay, but it was still difficult to bring up as like a, Hey, do you mind sitting down tonight and doing this? And that might've even been coming from me. Sometimes I didn't want to, sure. you know, I'm tired. I want to, I'd rather do this or this, but by attaching pizza, which is by far and away my favorite thing on earth, uh, next to my daughter and my wife, um, and, uh, and maybe throwing a movie in there, uh, all of a sudden it was like, well, now I'm looking forward to this and let's just like, let's just trick ourselves into this. Um, and, and inevitably end up feeling so much better after the budget session that you're like, why do, why do I hesitate? Like, why, why do I avoid this? I don't, I still don't know why. I, I mean, I think I have an idea. It's like our relationship with money was broken for so long that it just still doesn't feel natural. I it's still a habit, have it, right? You were in that yeah. habit, right? And now, now you're trying to create new habits, right? And I appreciate the compliment. Thank you, because thank you. I feel that way after we complete it too. And sometimes it's a long slog to like, all right, we got to have the kids do something while we do this. Um, but at the end of it, both Nicole and I feel like, all right, we feel prepared for the month. Are we? And it's not just. On the financial side, it's prepared for what kids' activities are coming up. What what do we want to do? When's the date night? You know, how are we going to connect? That's that, that, to your point. That's the that's the connection point where it feels like, all right, I feel like I got my stuff together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you feel like you're on the same page. Yes, a little better, you know. And I think that's really healthy for the relationship too. Yeah, yeah. So, so I appreciate that. Th- I appreciate that, man, and and I appreciate you you bringing that up. So is, it, so is that your opportunity for you and Taylor? to find that middle ground time when there are some differences. We talked about some differences in the conversation, whether it's the cars or food or anything. Do you use that time, whether it's one, it sounds like it's once a month. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah. We should probably do it more often, but yeah, right now it's about once a month. We do it about once a month too, with everything else that's going on. But do you guys find that time to find the middle ground for those conversations? Absolutely. The interesting thing has been that, um, Taylor's better at all this than I am. You know, uh, when she puts her mind to something, she's really good at it. And I'm sort of like, yeah, I see the value in it, but that doesn't mean I'm going to excel in it. (laughs) And so uh, the interesting thing has been uh, we've had to sort of, I've had to sort of coach to some extent, coach Taylor on she's going too far with it. Mm. Like she got to the point where she's just spending nothing (laughs) and it was sort of making her miserable. And she was just assuming that's what we had to do. Yeah. And I think part of it is, is because she really does believe in the superpower of this. And so Mm. she wants to see that happen. But the, you know, the other side of that is like, if I wasn't playing ball the exact same way she was, well now that's really unfair to her. Um, And I was saying like, look, I'm going to be imperfect. There are going to be mornings where the coffee is just calling my name and I'm going to get it. And I know this about myself. And if you keep holding me to that standard, you're going to hate me for forever. Sure. (laughs) I know this about myself. Um, and so I'm asking you to please go spend a little bit of money (laughs) so I can. Uh, but, uh, what we figured out was, uh, by implementing, uh, an allowance essentially, like we each get a certain amount a month and it's kind of like, it's like uh, guilt-free money, you know, it's just do, do whatever you want. And it's great because, I, you know, I, I don't always need a coffee. I certainly shouldn't be in a habit of getting coffee every morning from some fancy place, but 
It's not my fault that Bend has the only cold brew tap room in existence, wow. as far as I know. Oh, and wow. I think they say it's the first, at least. So, can you believe that? That's awesome. I moved to well, Bend, I mean, and they're based like, on Here's a my cold wife's brew reaction to your cold brew stuff, we're going to probably have to come out and visit you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, especially with that tap room. I mean, the place is amazing. It's called Riff, and they're like, it's it's unreal. Like they have all these different types of cold brews, and you can get it nitro or on ice or whatever, and it's just delicious. They have half calf. I can't find half calf cold brew anywhere else in the world, um, but I. I do brew it myself at oh, home nice. and that is definitely like my my coffee hack at home but I also sometimes because I work remote I need to get out of the house sometimes yeah. and so it's just nice to go to a coffee shop and like so you know once or twice a week I will go down to that coffee shop and I will get that four dollar coffee mm-hmm. it makes me happy and it makes me a little more engaged and it like helps me be sort of like you know a little more level at work it's yeah. good it's good for me and it's in the budget sure it's in the budget and I don't have to explain myself. Yeah. And that's been a real boon in our, our relationship and the way we talk about money again. So that's good. Well, you know, there's a lot of conversation here about, you know, maybe changing our ways, spending less, things like that. And I think a lot of people are okay with a little bit of sacrifice in life, whether it's health goals, you know, I'll feel like crap while I'm running down the block for my first try at a 5k, but I know at the end I'm going to feel really good inside and I'm going to feel healthy and mm-hmm. there's going to be some impact. What is the goal at the end of all this for you and Taylor where you're saying, all right, we can do 50% savings rate, and actually now we're getting kind of used to it. What is the goal at the end? What's the, what's the finish line for you that keeps you going? Oh, that's a great question. Um, and I actually feel really blessed on this front because um, by working on this the way I am right now, I found so much purpose in this work that you know the retire early part is just not important to me. It still is to Taylor. Um, she's still interested in having that flexibility. I don't know if she's going to completely retire, but she's really interested in being able to control her schedule a little bit more and uh, and feel a little less stress about you know how much or how little do you work because uh, she's uh, she's a commissioned uh, employee. So you know it's one of those things where like she gets to dial that up mm. or down, um, and so that can be kind of daunting sometimes because when you when you have to make that decision and it's like do I spend time with my daughter or do I work hard on this thing you know and it's like and since we we think about that through, you know, the lens of time and our value to that time and that money, like what's most important. That's still kind of something we're figuring out. But for the most part, I would say we're kind of already living, you know, we're, we're living that FI lifestyle a little Mm -hmm. bit because we don't feel that stress around money like we used to. And that's such a gift that, that freedom, that feeling of freedom, even though it's like a bit of a facade, we have not hit FI, we have not hit financial independence. I don't see that date or that goal as as uh, you know that thing that that I have to get to mm-hmm. uh, super fast. Like I don't feel, um, yeah, I don't, and I don't know why. I don't know why. It's just it's. I feel comfort. I think, and I think that's what it is. So right now, what I'm working on is trying to balance my life. It's a little bit difficult right now, being on the road, doing this whole screening tour with the movie, and um, trying to get it ready to kind of you know, hit, hit the masses. Um, that's been a daunting task and it's been a lot of fun, but it's been a lot of work. Um, so I'm kind of focused on that right now and I'm, I'm able to sort of distract myself, but, but I, I know full, full bore that when, when all of that sort of passes and I get a little more of a, of a normal see in my life, yeah. I want to find that balance where I'm giving myself some time to hang out with my, with my friends, my guys, where I'm giving myself time with Taylor and Jovi in appropriate ways where maybe it's a date night with Tay and maybe it's a family day and maybe it's just a little date night with Jovi. Um, 
and then, you know, getting out and really enjoying the outdoors, uh, doing some fishing and, you know, and some mountain biking, things like that, that we have, uh, in abundance around us. I want to, I want to be able to really get to know my, my area and my community. And that's the other thing is facilitating community has been really, really important to us. And that's the one thing we have done really well since we've moved there is Ben has allowed us to, um, it's much easier to facilitate community there than it is, uh, than it was in San Diego because it's a smaller town. It's easier to get around. Um, if there's an event going on, it's usually one event. So everybody's kind of already going there. Mm-hmm. So it's like easy to get together as opposed to when we were in San Diego, it was like, there's always 10 amazing things to do. And so it's always vying for somebody's attention. And it's like, you're not going to serendipitously run into your bud. Like they have to plan to come with you, you yeah. know? And so it's it sort of like we've, de- and again, we've designed our life to, to facilitate that. So that's, that's what great. we're working on is balance. It's like a small, big town feel, huh? So you get, it is. everybody's around. Nicole brings that up all the time. She's like, we, we live in this big sprawling metro detroit and we have lots of friends all around but there's not like the one town meetup or the yeah. the place where people go and she kind of misses that a little bit or, or longs for that a little bit mm-hmm. so you mentioned um taylor uh you know she she enjoys what she does you know it would like the opportunity for maybe retiring earlier in the future let's say somebody's listening right now and they say i really i really like my job i really like what i do should should they still consider financial independence and and fire 100 percent. because why there's a couple of reasons. One is because um, if you like your job, by the way, congratulations, you who's listening right now. That's amazing. You know, 70% of Americans, I, I guess, are, I think it's something like 70% of Americans are apathetic at best at work, which is really sad. And, you know, a lot more people are making widgets. They're doing things they really don't care about. There's, you know, and, and I'm not saying you have to go work on your passion, but if you at least can engage in work, you're going to be better off at it. Well, I think partly, uh, if you look at the correlated stats with stress and money, if you're a stressed out human being, you're not going to be your best human being, period. And with fire, um, and like, look, I mean, the stats show that the number one cause of stress is money. And so fire is an antidote to that. And so if you can alleviate that part of the stress in your life, how much better of an employee will you be? Maybe you will suddenly become less apathetic at work. Maybe you will start taking more risks at work. You will feel empowered to do so. You are not dependent on that job as a paycheck-to-paycheck lifestyle anymore. You have maybe an emergency fund saved up, and you have that runway where if something were to go wrong, uh, you're fine. You've got it covered. You could find another job in six months. If you're in that position, you're empowered. And you know more often than not, I would have to believe that if you are in that position, those fears are probably unfounded and the people that care about having you there will notice that you're trying to push the envelope and it's, you know, hopefully it's for the better, you know, betterment of whatever you're working on. Mm. I don't know how you'd be penalized for that, right? So I think it could actually make you better at the job that you already like uh, as one opportunity. And the other thing that um, I think Brandon told us in the movie was, um, this is spoiler alert for anyone who's worried. <laughs> he was like, yeah, you like your job now, but what about the you five years from now? You don't know who that person is. You don't know how you may change. I mean, we change constantly. And, um, or who your manager is going to be. Exactly. It might be out of on. your control. Yeah. Exactly. And so, um, so there's a million and one reasons to be financially independent regardless of whether you like your job or not. If you're using your job as an excuse not to pay attention to your money, just remember, it's an excuse. Absolutely. Well, I love this conversation, man. This has been a blast. <laughs> I've spent a couple days with you now. And it's this been a is pleasure. Fantastic. I'm so glad you were able to visit Detroit and, and visit uh, my place here in person. Where can people find the film? 
Thank you for asking. Uh, right now, we are on a uh, screening tour across the country. Uh, you can go to our website, and uh, we have an events page, and there it's listed out all the cities that where it's playing. It's quite a few right now. I think we have, um, I think there's like 35 events that are absolutely happening no matter what. A few of them are sold out. There's another like 40 that um, that are working on trying to sell enough tickets to where the event will take place. We're doing it through like a cinema on demand platform called Tug. Um, T-U-G-G and so you can also find the film there but um, but yeah like uh, there's there's local FI groups all over the country facilitating these meetups uh, around this film and it's just been an absolute pleasure to see happen we're also um, supporting a few of them ourselves we've been running around the country to a bunch of cities we're going to be in New York um, next month we're going to be uh, heading to FinCon pretty soon, uh, and there's a couple other places where we might add to the schedule. So that's where you can find the movie, and then uh, eventually we will be taking it digitally, hopefully this fall sometime, and you'll be able to rent it on iTunes or buy it, uh, Vimeo, Google Play, all those places. We're going to have some fun bonus material on, on Vimeo specifically. So uh, you know we'll be sharing all that on our website. One of the best places to check in is on our newsletter uh, because that's kind of our the best way to have that outlet to you know tap tap you on the shoulder and let you know what we're doing. So yeah, that's how you can find the movie. Awesome. Could we find the book there as well? You can find the book on the site. It's also on Amazon. If you just look for Playing with Fire, I believe we've now uh, gone above the uh, hot, steamy romantic novel <laughs> that used to be uh, <laughs> up above us there. Um, it was about a firefighter with no shirt on. Ooh, yeah, maybe you guys could get a two for one deal <laughs> i mean it, it gets really good reviews i've been interested for a while <laughs> that's great awesome very cool i'll put all those links in the show notes scott this was a lot of fun i had a blast with you over the past couple of days man and uh thanks a lot for doing this thanks Andy. appreciate it What a great time I had with Scott this week, man. Not only did I get to drink a beer or two with him, but I learned a lot from him as well. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Scott Rickens. Number one, a high savings rate is a superpower. When you're financially responsible, eliminating your debt and building up a solid emergency fund, you get a sense of confidence and pride that is indescribable. Number two, focus on the big three expenses. Housing, transportation, and food are excellent places to start your savings journey. Scott even called them the low-hanging fruit because changes in those areas can have a massive effect on your savings rate. Number three, pursue FI even if you like your job. You may love your job, but your job may not always be there. Your manager may change, and even though you love it now, your interests may change. Think of Phi as the ultimate backup plan. Scott, thank you so much for coming to Detroit and sharing your family's experience with us and helping everyone get a little bit closer to fire. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. 
Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support the show. Number one, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash marriagekidsandmoney. I am trying to grow my uh, presence and subscribership there, so if you could come hang out with me, that would be awesome. The second one, subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. And then number three, share this episode with a friend who could use some financial independence for their family. You could find this show and all the links and resources mentioned at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 144. And if you're new to the show, I would highly recommend you check out session 116, the 10 steps to young family wealth and happiness. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 116. It is a great place to start. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Seneca. No person has the power to have everything they want, but it is in their power not to want what they don't have and to cheerfully put to good use what they do have. Here's to loving what you have, my friends. Carpe diem. 